0: All right. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all uh, today. Uh, I just want to take a moment before I begin to just uh, thank you all uh, for just making our family feel uh, so welcome uh, as members of this church body. And we are just so uh, blessed and thankful uh, to to be made to feel as welcome as we are. Your 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 kind words and cards and emails and just generosity has been an incredible blessing to me and and for my family. We just. Just so thankful. So thank you. uh, You bring me great joy. Uh, And joy is our our theme for today. Uh, Michael, you guessed right. Good job. Uh, Joy is the theme for this week. Advent, week three. The the theme is joy. And uh, joy is a beautiful word. Uh, We call our babies little bundles of joy. Uh, And we name our our daughters joy. It's a wonderful word. And we sing hymns like uh, joy to the world And, and joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a word that, that means uh, to be in a state of gladness or, or even a state of euphoria at times, depending on the level uh, of the joy, and, and we seek after this joy, and we want this joy, we want to experience this joy, and most importantly, when we have it, uh, we want it to last and uh, we can have that joy when we know our Lord Jesus, uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the world does not know the Lord Jesus, and, and they, can, they, they don't know what their source of joy is. And even in our world, it, it's, it's difficult. Our, our lives can be difficult, and we sometimes, too, can even forget uh, what the source of our joy is. Uh, and so we can forget that because the, the world is a sad place. Uh, You can pick up any newspaper or read any internet article, and you can read stories of of terrible tragedy uh, and sadness. Uh, This week in New York City, uh, some terrorist strapped a pipe bomb to himself and tried to blow up a bunch of people in a New York City subway. Uh, And the California wildfires are continuing to burn out of control, and people are losing their homes, and lots of other structures are being destroyed. And, And this week there was... Uh, a video that went viral of some uh, young kid who, who uh, posted uh, a video telling the story of how he had been bullied uh, at school this week. And, and so th- these are incidences of pain and suffering that happen in our world, and, and that's not even to mention in the run-of-the-mill uh, problems that we all have, right? Uh, we struggle with with uh, with health issues and financial issues and self-esteem issues and and uh, difficulty at work and, and problems with our families and things like that. All of these kinds of things exist in our day-to-day lives. And these are the things that, that can rob us of our peace, like we talked about last week, uh, and they can also rob us of our joy. And so uh, there are two... Two kinds of joy, I guess, or two ways that that, that the world can seek joy. Uh, There's there's worldly joy, uh, and then there's biblical joy. And so I was looking uh, through the dictionary, and I found this definition of of the word joy. It it says, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And a synonym for that would be delight. And so uh, that can be a helpful definition. Uh, you know, we can, we can certainly have great joy in, in our wedding day or the birth of our children or things like that. That's a wholesome and that's a really great kind of joy. Uh, but then when you look at that definition a little further, it also is very worldly because when you're talking about the prospect of possessing what one desires— Uh, that can lead to all kinds of sinful behavior and going out of our way to have uh, this quest for possessions, this quest for power, this quest for money, uh, whatever else it might be that that is your particular uh, kind of joy that you would seek after. Uh, And if the goal is simply to possess whatever it is that you desire, well, that can lead to all kinds of sinful behavior. And so one Christian writer by the name of Blaise Pascal said that we all, have a God-sized hole in our heart that only Jesus can fill. And unfortunately, uh, the world doesn't know Jesus, and so they go out into the world seeking all kinds of worldly joy uh, apart from, from the, the, the love that they can find in God the Father. Uh, people try to find joy uh, in sex. Uh, this this sexual assault epidemic that we have going on in this country right now is is unbelievable when you think about it. It's reached uh, the upper levels of Congress, uh, and it, it's reached Hollywood, and it's reached uh, NBC News, and it's reached the NFL Network this week, uh, and even an NFL owner was accused this week. And so uh, it's reached the highest levels of society, and, and, and that's where people are finding their joy. Some people try to find joy in an adrenaline rush. Uh, You know that people die all the time trying to uh, climb Mount Everest, Uh, and just this week, I read a story uh, about a man in China who climbed this 62-story building. He was a daredevil. He did this kind of thing regularly, and when he got to the top, he starts doing pull-ups off the top of the building, and he fell uh, to his death, seeking the rush that comes from adrenaline, and so... Uh, That's one source of worldly joy. Uh, People are hooked on substances, uh, and they're hooked on pornography, trying to find joy uh, in these kinds of things. Um, uh, I I was thinking about uh, John Rockefeller, a quote that that he had once. Somebody asked him, uh, you know, he's like one of the richest men in America, somebody asked him, uh, how much more money do you need, John? And he said, I don't know, just a little bit more, I guess. Uh, The constant quest for money uh, is something that motivates people and gives them joy. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has a song called Badlands, and, and is it in it, uh, there's a line that says, a poor man want to be rich, rich man want to be king, and the king ain't satisfied till he rules everything. And, and this is how our quest for joy goes. We just want more and more and more because whatever we have is not satisfying to us. Uh, January 1st is coming, and we are going to spend all kinds of, uh, we're going to make all kinds of New Year's resolutions uh, that are designed to give us Uh, Joy and and give us a more fulfilled life, and that's what New Year's resolutions are often uh, designed to do And this is how the world seeks joy Uh, But we we, want to have a different kind of joy because the kind of joy that the world offers It's only temporary, and it can be easily lost because it's based on the things that the world has to offer. So if you're basing your joy on money, well, the people who lived at the time of of the Great Depression based their joy on money, too, until the stock market crashed uh, and everything that they had was gone. Uh, And if you're basing your joy on your health or your appearance, well, we're all going to grow old, as we all know, right? And, And someday we're all going to meet our Savior. Uh, if you're basing your joy on your career, you could be downsized tomorrow. If you're basing your joy on your spouse or your kids, then you are, you are putting your, uh, the basis of your joy in a fallen, uh, sinful human being, uh, and eventually that person may disappoint you as well. And, and if, you're, if you're basing your joy on some kind of sinful pleasure, well, certainly there's going to be a day of reckoning uh, in this life and, and certainly in the next. Well, that's how the world seeks joy, but, but in contrast to worldly joy, Uh, there's biblical joy. And biblical joy is different from worldly joy because the things on which it is based are permanent. Uh, they, are, they come from a different source, right? The world bases its, its joy on material things while we base our joy on spiritual things. It's based on the things that God has to offer, uh, the gift of his son, the assurance of eternal life, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, uh, and the assurance of salvation and knowledge of eternal life. These things we can never lose because the things on which they are based can never change. And so the source of our biblical joy is a solid rock. And that's why we have that kind of biblical joy. Well, I was thinking about biblical joy in my own life and thinking, uh, you know, do you guys, do any of you remember uh, the time when you first came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I know that a lot of you have been saved from, from the womb, practically, right? Man, many of you may not even remember when you were saved. But others of you may have been saved uh, later in life uh, like I was. And I can remember when I was first saved and the joy that I had. First, I had to get over the humiliation of having to admit that I had been wrong uh, all of those years. Uh, but once I did, uh, the idea that, that, uh, that, that there was a God in heaven who loved me enough to send his own son, that he would die for my sins uh, and rise from the dead, uh, and that I could base my joy on that instead of the things that the world has to offer, uh, that's an incredible source of relief. And joy. Now I can stop living for myself, and now I can live for him, and now I can cease striving after trying to make one more dollar or acquire one more piece of property or you know, the per- personal property, whatever it might be. Now I can put my joy in, in, in just pleasing him, and now I don't have to fear death because I know that, that death is nothing more than a gateway to going to spend eternity with him. And so can you remember that time? Can you remember the joy of when you first believed and, and, and what a thrill that was to know that, that there is a place reserved for you in heaven when, when you knew that the things of the world that you were striving for were all useless and, and had no eternal value. Uh, what a source of, of peace and what a source of joy. Well, Paul had the same kind of experience. Uh, and so I'm uh, gonna look at Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so I may gain Christ. Now many of us can relate to Paul. Uh, Paul had very worldly values. He wanted to advance in Judaism beyond his peers. And he was very proud of himself that he had been able to do that. Uh, and he uh, was zealous for the law, and he was, had the opportunity to persecute Christians along the way. So he wanted to be the best Christian persecutor uh, that there was. And he was having great success until the Lord knocked him off his horse and said, Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And so in our 21st century context, we, we may think about this, this uh, in this way. Uh, We all, uh, many of us, have had jobs and careers, and and maybe we have been eager to to advance in our careers, and maybe we have not been afraid to step on or over a few people uh, as we have tried to advance in our careers. And so uh, we have the same kind of experience that Paul has in a way, Uh, but when we come to know uh, the Lord, uh, then we realize that what we were trying to do was meaningless and valueless, and Paul came to that same realization. Uh, When he got knocked off his horse, he realized that everything that he had been striving after had no value, no eternal meaning, and he says that, that everything I was seeking after was complete rubbish. Now, the word he used there was a word that could get his mouth washed out with soap uh, in the, in the uh, Greek language. But the translators have softened it for us, and they've turned that word into rubbish. But he was speaking very strongly about uh, uh, trying to uh, let his readers know exactly how little he thought of his worldly possessions now that he knew uh, the risen Lord. His values completely changed. He realized that, that what God has to offer is greater than any earthly thing that he could hope to attain. And, and once he understood that, he was able to have this biblical joy uh, that we're talking about here. And and, and that's why in the letter, this short letter, he's able to say uh, seven times in that short letter, he says, either I rejoice or he tells the Philippians, "Uh, you rejoice in the fact that uh, even though I am in prison, uh, I happen to be in prison. Paul was in prison when he wrote that letter. Uh, He was rejoicing because the gospel was being spread. Uh, And that's the good news. So uh, I came up with this Uh, definition of what I call biblical joy. You may have a a definition that you could do that would add to this or change it, but here's what I think it is. It's the contented happiness and peace of knowing Jesus as our Savior and the only true source of joy who will never change or withhold his love from us, who offers us salvation that we cannot lose and life with him in heaven eternally. What's the world going to offer you? that can match that kind of joy. There is nothing in the world that offers that kind of joy. That's biblical joy. When we understand that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we could have a place with him uh, in in, uh, heaven eternally, uh, we don't have to try to find our joy in anything other than him. He is the source of our joy. And when we accept him as our Savior, he gives us this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we begin to start to produce uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to produce things uh, like peace, like we were talking about last week. And joy is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we, we get these things because we have the Spirit. And it's no wonder that the world seeks after joy in places other than these things because the world does not have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot have biblical joy. And so what you do is you try to fill the Jesus-sized hole that you have in your heart with things that the world has to offer. And you find yourself uh, that, that you cannot satisfy that thing. You, got, you may remember uh, the old song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, right? That's an old, old, old song. And, and the world is looking for its joy in all the wrong places, right? They're, they're looking for, for, for joy in places where it cannot be found. Uh, it doesn't know that true, lasting joy can only be found in knowing Jesus as our Savior. And so we think about this kind of biblical joy, but, but I wanted to think about how we can have this biblical joy, and, and not only that, but the foundation for why we have this kind of biblical joy. And so uh, I have some reasons for why we have this biblical joy, and I find them uh, in the purposes of the king. Uh, the purposes of the king. Why did Jesus come? Uh, here's one reason why he came. He came to reveal God to us. Uh, John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. So at the end of the great prologue of the Gospel of John, he says why Jesus came. He came to explain the Father to us because we could not know God unless God condescended to show himself to us. And so that's why we know who God is. And so that's why uh, when Philip said to Jesus, In uh, John chapter 14, he says, show us the Father. Jesus says, Philip, have I been so long with you uh, that you do not know the Father? Uh, Do you not know by now that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? How can you say to me, uh, show us the Father? Jesus has shown us God by showing us himself, and that should give us biblical joy. So Jesus came to reveal God to us. Jesus came to die for us. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as God in the form of a man and allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross and left there to die, so that we would not have to pay the penalty for the sins that we owe, so that he would pay those sin, the, the penalty for those sins for us. Have you ever had somebody say to you, uh, you don't have to pay that debt, or I excuse you of that debt, or, or I pay that, that monetary debt for you? Uh, it's an incredible relief to know that the burden of that debt has been lifted from your back, and you don't owe it anymore. And the world and people are able to do that. They're able to say, you know, that hundred bucks you owe me, forget about it. You don't owe me that anymore. But only Jesus was able to die for us. He's the only one who, who would die for us. And, and what other king would do that other than the king of kings? And so Jesus came to die for us. He also came to show us the way to the Father. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Until the, the coming of Jesus, we were like sheep without a shepherd. We didn't know how to get to God. We couldn't get to God. And yet... Uh, Jesus comes as the good shepherd, and he shows us how to find God. Uh, Through him, he says that I am the way. Come to God through me, and knowing the way to the Father should give us joy. Jesus came to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. Uh, We read a lot of these the past couple of weeks, so I'm not going to read them again, but but you remember that everything that was predicted about Jesus in the Old Testament has been fulfilled in the New and then there are things that, that are still yet to be fulfilled. But we have this great joy in knowing that because he fulfilled all Old Testament prophecies about himself, that he will fulfill the New Testament prophecies about himself that have not yet uh, been fulfilled. And, and so uh, we stand between uh, the first coming and, and waiting in eager anticipation for the second coming. And, and that's what Advent is. We're celebrating the first coming of Jesus, and we're celebrating the anticipation of his second coming, and, and knowing that we can trust future prophecy, because all the uh, prophecy that has already been fulfilled about him is true, uh, we know that the future prophecy will be fulfilled as well, and that should be a great source of joy. Jesus came to glorify God. John seventeen four. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus asked God to glorify him because Jesus had fulfilled his purpose in glorifying the Father. Uh, And Jesus then showed us that our purpose is to do the same. He wants us to glorify God, and he gives us work to do so that we can glorify him. And the work that he gives us to do uh, is the Great Commission. He says, Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them uh, what I have taught you, and, and baptizing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the work. That we have to do and when we're doing the work that glorifies god uh, he will then in turn uh, glorify us and knowing that we will be glorified in eternity because uh, god uh, jesus has shown us how to glorify god should be a source of great joy and he also came to promise that he will come again john 14. do not let your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me and my father's house are many dwelling places If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so the promise of eternal life uh, and and then a reservation in in the grand heavenly hotel uh, awaits us. uh, And what joy it will be when we find ourselves there. And one other reason I want to give you uh, is that uh, our joy, when we receive joy, this biblical kind of joy, we return joy to heaven. And I think that's an incredible thing. In in Luke chapter 15, Jesus told a couple of parables. Uh, He told the parable of a man who had a 100 sheep, and he lost one of them, and he searched the whole countryside until he found this sheep. And when he found the sheep, he put it over his shoulders and returned home and invited his friends to rejoice with him. And and Jesus said, in the same way, I tell you, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents uh, because uh, he has turned to me uh, over the 99 who did not need repentance. And then Jesus goes on to tell a second parable about a woman who had 10 coins, and she lost one of those coins, and so she sweeps the whole house until she finds this coin, and when she finds it, she brings in her friends, and they all rejoice together, and Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents, and so when we, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, uh, we actually were given a great gift, and to receive that gift causes incredible joy in heaven uh, for God, and even for the angels, and I just think it's amazing that Uh, insignificant me and insignificant you, when you accept Jesus as your savior, you put a smile on God's face. And I just think that's an incredible gift. And so as we sit perched between this uh, first coming uh, and the anticipation of his second coming, how should we live? Uh, What should we do uh, I want to suggest that our lives should be marked by this uh, incredible sense of joy. Uh, when, when people look at us, because we are Christians, they should see something different in us. They, they should see a hope that we have. They should see a smile on our face. They should see joy uh, even in the midst of trials. Uh, they should have us uh, see us with a positive attitude, never complaining or grumbling. They should see this joy that we have. And. And I've talked to some of you uh, in this this church, and some of you are going through difficult things, have gone through difficult things, are presently in the midst of difficult things, and yet uh, you trust in the Lord, and you have modeled what biblical joy is supposed to look like to the world. And and I commend you for that. It's it's wonderful that you're able to do it. Uh, Joy, uh, this kind of joy, this biblical joy, cannot be shaken by circumstances. Uh, it It is not going to wilt because we are in the face of hard times. Uh, It it, it stands the test because, like I said earlier, it is based on things that are eternal. And so uh, our joy ought to be something that that is going to manifest itself uh, to the world uh, in extraordinarily happy uh, and joyous lives that the world is able to see. And and the world will be compelled to say, what's up with you? Uh, How can you be so happy all the time? And that'll give you the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. It's one thing to have the joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. And it's another thing to manifest that joy to the world. And so uh, I want to look at Psalm 100 that uh, Bill and Susan read for us and just look at some of these commands about how we are supposed to manifest this joy uh, to the world. Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. That is a command to worship God, no matter what our circumstances are, shout joyfully. Verse two, serve the Lord, I'm sorry, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. See, we're supposed to be humble servants of the Lord. And when we're called on to serve, we serve with gladness, we serve joyfully. I'm sure that, that you all know that this world is in desperate need of Jesus. And, and when we just show them love, show them uh, attention, uh, give them a little time, uh, give them an ear, so that, uh, should give them some availability so that they know that we care. And we are showing the love of Christ uh, to these people. And, and when we are called to serve the Lord, when we do it with gladness, when we do it with a happy heart, we should be rejoicing that God gave us the opportunity to serve him. You remember when Paul was beaten uh, and thrown in jail He rejoiced that he was counted worthy to suffer for the Lord. That's incredible joy. And we're being asked to serve the Lord too just by being uh, available and being a witness to a world who needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why it says to serve him with joyful singing and with gladness. We worship him joyfully and we serve him in the same way. And verse 3 tells us that the reason for our joy. I keep advancing the slide before I'm ready. Uh, it says, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Once you acknowledge that God made you and, and that you are subject to him, if you can accept that, if you can humble yourself and accept that and that you are not the master of your own ship, and you are not the captain of your own soul, that God made you, and it is he who is Lord, that's a great source of joy. Uh, Most of the world wants to be in control of its own destiny, and they will not submit to the Lord, and they will not subjugate themselves to the will and the desire of the Lord. Uh, But that's because most of the world doesn't realize where true biblical joy is found. Biblical joy is found in the fact that God is sovereign and that, and that we are under him and that we trust him to direct our lives. And so that's why Psalm 4610 says, cease striving and know that I am God. That's a call for you and me to, to stop reaching and trying so hard to obtain joy for ourselves. Know that I am God and, and I am in control. And, and when we can allow God to be control in control of our own lives, Uh, what a a, a sense of peace and joy that we have that when we know the Lord and we say, Lord, here is my life, do what you will with it, I trust you with it, then we can relax and then we can have joy because we can trust in the sovereign Lord, Lord. And because we have this joy, verse four says, enter into his gate with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise to bless his name. Now, notice that it is assumed that we can enter into his courts. We we get access to him. And and so when this psalm was written, it was written about entering into the temple court. This is a thousand years, of course, before uh, the New Testament. But now, because of Jesus, we get to actually enter into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ because remember Romans 5 says that we by grace have access to God into this faith in which we now stand. Jesus is the mediator between us and God, and he gives us access directly to the Father, and so we don't need a temple anymore. We can pray to him any time through our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are permitted to enter into his gates, and he invites us into his gates, and so we do this with thanksgiving, with humility, and with joy because verse 5 says, for the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, uh, and his faithfulness to all generations, and And everything in the Bible tells us that God is good, and he is loving, and he is faithful, and he is sovereign, and he knows the plans that he has for us, plans to prosper us, and plans for a future. And so that's why we can have joy uh, in the midst of all of our trials. And so uh, Psalm 100 is just wonderful application for how we are supposed to model this biblical joy. Uh, I want to give you just a couple more, and and one is that we ought to experience this joy internally internally. Joy comes from a knowledge deep down in your heart that cannot be shaken, that you know that God will never fail you, that his promises are true, and that your destination is heaven. And it doesn't matter uh, if you spend time in this world suffering. We all suffer. Some of us suffer more than others. And sometimes we look at somebody else's life or even our (coughs) own life and say, why am I asked to suffer more than others? Well, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that our suffering is just for a brief period of time And when it's over, we get to cross into life with him eternal. And this should cause us to experience God's joy. And when we have this joy internally, we ought to be able to express this joy externally. Uh, We're friends with with a couple uh, from a church that, uh, our former church where we used to go to, and and she asked him to go to a party with him one time. Uh, And so they're at this party together, and uh, they get separated, and then she comes and finds him later, and she says to him, "Uh, are you having a good time? And he says, yeah, I'm having a good time. And she says, well, you might want to tell your face. (laughs) So (laughs) apparently he was saying that he was having a good time, but not really showing it by his external manifestations. And so... Uh, I think that we ought to express our joy. We ought to let the world see that we have this wonderful joy outwardly, externally, visibly. And so they will ask us why. And then we can say to them, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you that uh, because of your son, Jesus, we have access to you. And we know that we have eternal life. And and through the gift of your son, uh, Lord, we know that that we have this joy down deep in our hearts. And and Lord, we want the world to see it because we know that the world needs the joy that only you can provide, Lord. And it's not a joy that we can find in the things of this world. We can only find this kind of biblical joy through you. And so, Lord, uh, as we struggle with our own health and finances and whatever else we may have, uh, let us know that those things are merely temporary issues but the joy that you offer is permanent and eternal and lord let us go forth from here especially during this christmas season Uh, let us let us show the world the kind of joy that we have because we know that you are our savior and we know that we have life eternal with you lord Uh, let us rejoice in these uh, facts that are made possible because of the death of your son and his resurrection by which he bought us uh, with his blood we thank you and we praise you in jesus name amen